So yesterday, um, our Prime Minister and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz were in uh, Stephenville, Newfoundland, uh, set to sign a green energy deal. There's a, a company out in Newfoundland that is building a zero emissions plant that will use wind energy to produce hydrogen. Uh, and that's the deal. We're going to be shipping this hydrogen to Germany. Wait to hear what that costs. But, okay, uh, hydrogen is seen to be perhaps the future when it comes to a lot of the things that we're talking about, energy and transition economy and, and all the rest of this stuff. But um, that's down the road. And how immediate can it be? And I mean, there's so many questions about this. And what people keep talking about and asking these two leaders about is, is natural gas. I mean, th where does that fit in? We're going to chat now with Adam Pankratz, who is a lecturer at the University of British Columbia's Sauter School of Business. He's on the board of directors at Rockmaster Resources. Adam, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Uh, nice to be with you, Shane. So we've got hydrogen grabbing a lot of headlights. But, but, I mean, at the heart of this whole situation is natural gas, really, right? I mean, when you talk about the heart of the matter with Germany and, and their dependence on um, uh, natural gas coming out of Russia, they're talking about renewables and hydrogen. But right now and this coming winter, it still all comes down to natural gas, doesn't it? For this winter and for likely for foreseeable winters, um, it does. Germany was depending on Russia for 55% of their gas um, pre-war in Ukraine. That's still where the bulk of it is coming from, even at uh, much reduced flows. And um, realistically, uh, that is going to be what the solution is probably going to be for Germany for the next five, even 10 years. Exactly, right? So why are we, when, you know, the question is raised to uh, Schultz or to Trudeau, you know, over the past few days, their answer is sort of like, yeah, it doesn't really fit into the equation. This isn't about natural gas. How does that make sense? It doesn't, is the short answer. Um, that gas, natural gas, is a cleaner burning alternative that we have access to, that we can produce, um, and, and not, not just Canada, but that the world has access to and can produce, um, is 40% uh, more efficient than, or burns cleaner, 40% cleaner than, than burning coal, and is something that can solve the problem right now. And when you look at what uh, was announced yesterday with the hydrogen plant, I mean, there's, you know, you would try to find nice ways to put it, but really that's selling a fantasy. Um, there isn't that technology yet. Uh, that project is a long way off. And if you're looking to solve the solution or find the solution even in the next decade, you need something like natural gas to do this. And hydrogen is just not there yet. Is natural gas there, though, Adam? That's also what we're hearing. We don't, you know, even if we wanted to ship the liquefied natural gas over to Europe, we can't. We don't have a liquefaction facility on the East Coast. Uh, we don't have the pipelines that would be needed to get the gas from Alberta to the East Coast. That's the case the Prime Minister is saying is we don't have the infrastructure to even do what you're talking about anyway. Well, we will have it shortly with LNG Canada. And what I would say to, to anyone who's saying that we don't have it yet, I mean, it can be built. You can build these pipelines yeah. if you have a desire to do so. Um, and there would be a business case case for it. But that's been, you know, in my view, a big policy, energy policy failure by the Canadian government um, for the last 
five or ten years that we have not found a way to get our resources to market. And so the LNG or the gas that we have is essentially trapped within our borders yeah. because yeah. of our limited pipeline capacity. And that's been that's been a big problem, uh, not just with, with gas, but also with oil. And, you know, we're seeing the effects. It's, you know, the, the Alberta ECO cost of gas, um, you know, Bob's around four to five dollars has recently dropped um, even below one dollar, while the Henry Hub in the United States is selling for twelve dollar Canadian equivalent, and in Europe you're looking at ninety dollar uh, uh, per million British thermal units. So you've got a forty five uh, times, uh, you know, four. Forty-five thousand percent difference in uh, in the price from Canada to to uh, Europe, and and we're not able to take advantage of it, and that's a real shame for the Canadian economy and all Canadians. Yeah, and and just uh, while we're talking about cost of energy, uh, this green hydrogen, uh, the cost of producing uh, that kind of energy versus natural gas, it, it, again, it's orders of magnitude more at this point in time, right? I mean, it's absolutely astronomical. It, it's very expensive. The cost of the project that is being proposed is in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 billion U.S. dollars. Um, and then, you know, after that, um, you know, making hydrogen is 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 a, is a, is a good can, could be a good fuel, but sure. as it stands right now, um, you know, 40 percent of the energy that you're generating, uh, you only get 40 percent equivalent energy in hydrogen out of the energy you generate, right? Because you have to, you lose so much in the process of, of producing that hydrogen. So it's it's nowhere near as efficient an energy as the LNG that's here, that's here, right? right. And that, yeah. that we have huge resources, 83 trillion cubic feet of, of, of uh, natural gas identified and, and available. Um, this is this is enormous resource that we're just not taking advantage of as it stands. So, I mean, how did we get into this position? Is it is it provincial governments? Is it federal governments? Is it Europe not saying, you know what? Yeah, it's going to be a little more costly, and it's going to be it's going to be harder to do, but it's a better choice than becoming completely and utterly dependent on Vladimir Putin's gas fields. I mean, how did we get to this situation where now we're left scrambling? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of blame to to spread around, and and certainly Europe. Um, can share in part of that uh, blame, and if I if I were a German, I'd be asking why we're not they weren't they aren't fracking their own gas resources, which they could access, but are blocked by the Green Party in the Bundestag. But that's Germany's business, right? I'm more interested in what we in Canada have been doing, um, and it's just been a desire to um, try to sell a transition of green energy that simply isn't here yet, right? The green energy transition is coming and mm -hmm. it will come, but we need to be realistic about the timelines and those timelines are going to be measured in decades. They're not going to be measured in years. So we've got decades-long transition. We, it we've, we've been addicted to fossil fuels and oil for over a century. Well, you're not just going to cut that off, right? And I would say, you know, we kind of know, in a sense, what does the world look like if you really just cut fossil fuels? Well, where, when did that last happen? Well, that was the first couple weeks of COVID in 2020, right? The world totally shut down. The prices of every fossil fuel plunged. Well, that is what the world looks like when you turn off fossil fuels. So we don't want that, 
right? That, that much is clear. So what does the transition look like over these decades as we get to fully renewable? And this is where LNG has a massive role to play. And, and we're sitting on this huge resource that we, you know, we, we, can, we need to export it. Even if it takes another five or 10 years to get the infrastructure in there, that it's still going to be needed. And we're going to look back to 2022 and say, gee, I wish we'd, you know, we're looking back to 2015 and saying, gee, I wish we did in 2015. We're going to be saying the same thing in five or 10 years if we don't get moving now. You know, Adam, I always say it's kind of like reality just sits there being reality while leaders go off and make these grand proclamations and set these aspirational goals uh, that sometimes don't always line up with the reality. And in the end, reality is the one calling the shots. And that appears to be, in a lot of ways, where we are right now. Like, there's all these plans, and like you say, there's all the, you know, the restrictions against Germany accessing their own gas, and we've sort of turned a blind eye to it. And now, all of a sudden, we're in a position where we've made mistakes over the course of time, and it's kind of hard to fix them. Do you think this changes the thinking? Like you say, this, you know, it might take five, might take 10 years. Do you think this would in any way increase the appetite of the global community and our federal leaders to actually say, okay, we need to soften our stance a bit? Do you think that's even possible? You know, I I hope so. Um, You know, what Mr. Trudeau said yesterday doesn't necessarily give a lot of hope for the immediate turn. Um, I think, though, the international community uh, is is taking is sitting up and paying attention, right? And and as the world, you know, it's it's a bigger conversation to how the world is sort of splitting um, between democracies and non-democracies. But as we as we look towards energy security among our allies and friends, um, certainly the United States is is perking up and is starting to export their LNG and figuring out that energy security matters. Um, Europe is getting a blatant uh, smack in the face with their energy prices right now. I mean, uh, like energy gas costs in London, which for a normal home a year ago would have been maybe 50 or 100 pounds are now 500 pounds a month, right? So for regular families, this is just a, a, an absolute slap in the face as to, hey, this this stuff matters. Um, will we belatedly be dragged around to doing something about it? You know, I, I certainly hope so, and I remain hopeful that, that there is some um, common sense and pragmatic-based policy that will come out and recognize that, yes, Sure, let's make that transition to renewable fuels. But in the meantime, and the meantime is decades, uh, we need to take advantage of the incredible resources we have. Yeah, Adam, uh, I agree with you completely. Thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time, sir.